0: keep an eye out for the new Stay Current in Pediatric Surgery app. We've got an update coming soon. In the meantime, enjoy the podcast. This is Roger Gerardo from Cincinnati Children's, and today I want to talk about appendicitis. Now, I know what you're thinking. We've talked about this before a lot, and in fact, in 2015, Todd Ponsky and Whit Holcomb sat down for an hour to chat about the complexities, the nuances of treatment and diagnosis for appendicitis. And at the end of that podcast, Todd asked Whit something that caught my ear. Take a listen.
1: The last question I want to ask you is just something that you had touched on before and I wanted you to give me your thoughts on this new uh, exciting topic of non-operative appendicitis.
2: There are a number of uh, reports, retrospective reports, in the adult literature talking about uh, management of patients with uh, appendicitis without the need for an operation. And as a general statement, I would say two-thirds of those patients are treated without um, the need for an operation and about a third require an operation my summary of the data at this time is that it is likely possible that 50 to 60 percent of patients could probably be managed non-operatively with antibiotics
0: that was five years ago have we moved the needle much further let's find out and what we're going to call our stay current appendicitis 2020 update At the end of the summer this year, JAMA published an article from the Midwest Pediatric Surgery Consortium, or the NWPSC, and the article's titled, get ready to Google this, Association of Nonoperative Management Using Antibiotic Therapy versus Laparoscopic Appendectomy with Treatment Success and Disability Days in Children with Uncomplicated Appendicitis. The Quick and Dirty, it's a prospective non-randomized controlled intervention study, multi-institutional, just about a 1,000 kiddos with uncomplicated appendicitis, two treatment arms, urgent laparoscopic appendectomy group, and a non-operative group that just received antibiotics. So when they say uncomplicated appendicitis, That means they confirmed it on ultrasound or cross-sectional imaging, an appendix that is 1.1 centimeters in diameter or less. No abscess, no fecalith, no phlegmon. So what can we say about the study?
2: What we can say is that uh, it's safe. Um, and effective in you know nearly three quarters of, of the patients who were in this study.
0: That is Dr. Beth Romeski. She's an associate professor of pediatric surgery at Cincinnati Children's and a board member of the MWPSC.
2: I think that the purpose of uh, Dr. Manici's study really was to, on a larger scale, examine this in a pediatric population in the United States. There's, as you know, a lot of literature out there, particularly in adults, and then some pediatric literature in Asia looking at this question. Um, so I think everyone felt like the results were going to be similar. There was no reason to think that it was going to be different, but we wanted to you know, sort of look in a cohort here uh, how this would look. Todd Ponsky was
0: also on the Zoom call, and who's surprised? He had some thoughts,
1: too. As a relative naysayer of the non-operative approach, something happened in that patient that set up the perfect storm for appendicitis to happen. And I don't know why we don't think that at some point in their life, that same perfect storm will happen again. Why would we think if it happened once, it wouldn't happen a second time? The other side of the argument is my resistance for not offering Non operative appendicitis has been that I'm afraid they're going to come back with a perforation. But Beth, didn't you or someone tell me that actually that's not the case?
2: That's true. So the patients in the non operative arm, when they did present back with appendicitis, because, you know, if 67% were successful, that means 33% were not. So those 33% represented with. Uncomplicated appendicitis.
0: Remember when I said this was a non randomized study? Well, how did they choose the treatment arms?
2: The interesting thing about this study, the way that it was set up, was it was a uh, patient slash parent choice. You know, the surgeon didn't decide what the modality was, the surgeon decided whether or not the patient <laughs> met the criteria for the study. Entirely uh, patient and family driven after they were counseled appropriately. And there was a standard set of of handouts and sort of a standard dialogue that we presented to each family so that we weren't giving a warped perception. We were trying not to project our, you know, opinion on the study, uh, our opinion on the success of the management, other than to say that, you know, according to previous studies, this is the success rate. This is the, you know, these are the risks, et cetera, et cetera. And we let the families decide, which was interesting in itself.
1: Remind me now. So. What did this study show about days in the hospital comparing the two arms?
2: The primary outcome there were a couple. One was success, right, of the actual treatment in in terms of avoiding appendectomy. and the other one was disability days. And the number of disability days was significantly less in the patients that didn't have surgery, which, you know, intuitively makes sense. They didn't have to stay out of school and skip sports and do all those things. So the disability days were uh, significantly lower in the non-operative arm.
0: Yeah, they were 6.6 versus 10.9. Mean difference ended up being uh, 4.3 less disability days. And then the success rates, so the non-operative management, um, like Dr. Meski was saying previously was 67.1%.
2: There was a, obviously loss to follow up over a year period and no matter. And believe me, I know that Dr. Manici and his team tried so hard to reach all of these patients at every checkpoint, but it just literally wasn't possible.
1: You know, I would say this. We did the first appendicitis podcast about five and a half years ago. And most of the stuff from that podcast is still mostly true. The reason we're doing this one is because a lot has changed in regards to the non-operative approach because we have more data now, as as Beth just mentioned, and it's becoming more clear to us the role of non-operative treatment of appendicitis. And my takeaways are that what I've learned now compared to five years ago is that number one, it's not unsafe to send them home with antibiotics, that these patients do not typically come back with uh, perforated appendicitis. And number 2, they have less disability days. So it actually may even be better, but we still don't know the very long-term effects of it. So where it was something that was more of a hypothetical, it seems like a lot of people are reasonably applying this into their practice.
2: I and mean, I think it's a and I think it's important because it's out there that, you know, in good faith you really need to probably mention it to families and patients and And we have struggled with that here and uh, originally made a decision after the study enrollment finished to wait for the study results before offering it and have now decided that we will, you know, offer it to appropriate uh, patients and families if they're interested. Um, I think the other interesting thing that happened since the study got published, it got published, I believe, in like January, right, of 2020, and then COVID happened. And there was an extraordinary interest in the pediatric surgery Uh, community about uh, not operating on appendicitis and treating everyone with antibiotics. So I actually think the non-operative appendicitis treatment has increased. Is that your perception too, Todd?
1: So I don't know if they're doing it more, but certainly this question has uh, arisen since COVID. And and now again, we're about to approach at the time of this recording, we are at the last week of November, uh, about to approach what may be a real strain on the hospital system and we may see that this article this study will help us more quickly start transitioning to non-operative care. You know one question I do have for you that I really wanted to understand which you kind of answered is if a child comes into the hospital what is the quickest way to get the child out of the hospital? Is it is it sending them home with antibiotics or don't you need to admit them? Because if I do an appendectomy they are home uh, that day. So I'm not, sh- I wanted to understand which is the quickest way to get the child out of the hospital.
2: I think honestly, if you use the study protocol, you know, according to the way that it was written, everyone had a minimum of 24 hours of IV antibiotics. Zocin was the preferred, but it wasn't mandated. The minimum time in the hospital was 24 hours, and then you could switch to oral. And obviously, that's longer than most of our typical acute. Appendicitis patients would stay in the hospital because some of them might only be here for you know six hours. Uh, so right. it probably does if if you follow the letter of the law here. Now, what I'm not sure about when people started sort of bringing this up in relation to COVID was were they skipping that part? You know, maybe giving one or two doses of IV and then sending home quickly on on PO. I'm not really sure about that, but technically, the way that the protocol is written and what the results of the study are based on is a minimum of 24 hours of IV antibiotics.
1: Right. And so since most data these days shows that oral and IV have equal bioavailability, you could argue that um, the shortest course of time in the hospital would be to do an appendectomy. But if we really get into crazy crunch time, you could try doing oral antibiotics. Right. And sending them home from the emergency room.
2: Yeah. And I think in in our experience here, we were offering non-op more to the patients who actually tested COVID positive who came in with appendicitis, more because we didn't really understand the risk of putting someone who's asymptomatic with COVID but has appendicitis. Like, what is the risk of anesthesia in that patient? Uh, you know, exposure to all the employees to that patient. So those patients we were trying to get to do uh, non-op and get them out a good of the point. hospital.
0: Thanks so much for listening. And if you haven't already, go ahead and download our app, Stay Current in Pediatric Surgery. It's available on Apple iOS as well as Android systems. You can engage in discussion on podcasts just like this one. You could take a deep dive into infographics, guidelines, technique videos. There's so much content there and there's, even more content coming for you in 2021. We got a new version of the app that's launching soon. It's so much more intuitive. And without giving too much away, there's a lot more new content that's coming that I'm very excited about. So tell your residents, med students, fellows, attendings, if you want to learn more about pediatric surgery, there's an app for that. And until next time, remember, knowledge should be free.